of the Panhandle News Network. The views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. It's Panhandle Sports Live. Crossover, step back! Where the Eastern Panhandle of West Virginia comes to get their sports live. Is this the tagger? It is a great night to be a Mountaineer wherever you may be. Agent back to pass. Rush down the pocket. Throwing it downfield. It's into the end zone. Oh, he caught it! Here are your hosts, Jordan Warner, Luke Wiggs, and Parker Stone. It is Friday the 19th, and you are tuned in to Panhandle Sports Live, broadcasting live from the Hoppy Kirchville building. I'm Jordan Warner, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Good morning, fellas. Morning. Good morning. How we doing? Friday uh, Friday morning? That weekend's fr- right around the corner? Friday feeling. Brand new rejuvenated car for Park. Yeah. Yeah, how's that rolling around? Yeah, doing great. They put the uh, permanent Hyundai brake pad for the brake switch on yesterday. Thing runs like a charm. It's it's just like normal again. Which Feel is like nice. a new car? I mean, not really, but <laughs> it's just it's just a little pad. It's it's just a pop on and take care of it. I'm not gonna lie to you. I didn't quite believe you that the uh, light pad was a real thing until uh, I looked it up yesterday. I was like, all right, maybe he's right. I just had never, <laughs> I never heard of it. I just figured you had a fuse that went out, and then mm-hmm. you know, typical. Well, not typical, but it seems like uh, at least when I go to an auto body shop for that kind of stuff, they could literally tell me anything, and I'd be like, yeah, sure, because I have no idea what they're talking about. So that's kind of what I thought they were doing to you. But I'm glad that uh, you got that figured out. You can finally uh, get out and about, especially with the weekend ahead. Yeah, big weekend. Actually, uh, little brother's graduation from high school is this weekend. So oh, I'm, yeah. I've been back down the homeland this weekend. He's got his, go. his little graduation party Saturday evening, so we'll be out and about and celebrating him, I guess. So it'll be a good time. Nice. Well, congratulations to him. It's hard to believe it's already into uh, graduation season. I was out with family yesterday, and they were all talking about the graduations at their different places coming up, what, like next Tuesday, I think, and... Oh, life comes at you fast, your senior year of high school, especially if you're playing spring sports, because not only do you have to worry about your baccalaureates, your you know honors things, all the different stuff that goes on with the end of uh, your high school edu- or, uh, academic career, but Luke, we got some big baseball games to worry about too. Yeah, we do, and the irony of it is those are going to run up right against each other, because if the sectional, I'm sorry, regional championship series between um, Jefferson and Hedgesville goes to that third game. It's going to be played at one o'clock in the afternoon to accommodate for Hedgesville's graduation. Uh, which, hey, you know, shout out to Jefferson for allowing them to do that and miss their own graduation. But this is going to be a fun series. We've got an article coming out, which you can find at Panhandle News Network sometime later today. That's going to be a ton of fun breaking this down. Um, just going through how successful these teams have been over the last couple of seasons and talking about who's hitting for them at the right time. Biggest takeaway for me is Chris French when we went out and did the uh, the Musselman Hedgesville game, uh, and he had those extra base hits. Uh, and we got to talk to him after the game, and he said um, he gave up wearing contacts because his mom wasn't going to buy him anymore, so he, huh. he was wearing those thick rim glasses. Right. Right about that time, and I don't remember what date that was. I'll have to double-check. But ever since then, he's been hitting over 400 you know, with the, with the Clark Kent glasses on. So, you know, he's he's playing a pretty high level of baseball. The Exactly. And then a couple other stats, and you have to get the rest of them out of the article. I don't want to give too much away, but a couple of things that encapsulate how great – that Jefferson's been as a pitching staff this year. They've got a 1.67 team ERA. And this stat, I think, is astounding. They've got more shutouts this season. They have seven shutouts. 
than games when they allowed more than four runs. Three. Seven shutouts to three times they've allowed four or more runs. And they've got seven different players who've thrown double-digit innings, and all of those seven players have ERAs under three. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's unbelievable. Their pitching staff is the best in the state as a staff. But then you've got this Hedgesville team that Parker can attest to. They've got, and this is really Stephen A. Smith of me, I'm sorry, <laughs> but they've got just a little bit of that it factor. They've got a couple of dudes on the mound and Ruest and Matthew and Lane DeLotter that are just dogs. You look at their numbers side by side with the Caleb Fletchers and the like from Jefferson, and you give the advantage to the Jefferson pitching staff statistically. There's no way to look at that other than that. But Hedgesville's a team that's been tested multiple times. And they just have a little bit of that it factor. They have some key hits and some key moments. Brett Pedersen can hit the cover off the ball. They run the bases well. Connor's sitting well over 400. Has swiped 22 bags this season. That, you know, the smart money, similar to the softball series, is probably on Jefferson. But Hedgesville's just got so many different ways that they can play upset in this series. And I think it's going to be a really fun one. No, they got some pieces for sure to pull this off. You mentioned French. I love what he brings to the bottom end of the lineup for Hedgesville. The ability to get two bases on and turn the lineup over is something that you need on a championship competitive baseball team. And French is that for Hedgesville. They got pieces in this lineup that can really go. Peterson, like you mentioned, he hit a ball to dead center for a home run, and that that started that started the run of five straight runs for Hedgesville to come back from a 3-0 deficit against Musselman, and that's the type of resolve. And we talked about that with Coach Grove. He said his team's a bunch of cardiac kids, and they just keep going, and that's true. You you can throw a punch at Hedgesville, but they're going to keep coming back at you. That's that's what's going to make them dangerous in this series, I think. And I think it is going to go three games because I think Hedgesville has a game in them. Jefferson's playing some fantastic ball right now. It's going to be tough, but it, I really do think this is going to be three games because I think Hedgesville right now is on such a momentum high from that series with Musselman. Yes, you can make the argument they're tired out. They've Have they exhausted everything they've had to get to the region final and then they're going to just fall flat against Jefferson? I think they got pieces. They got DeLauder, who's probably going to be eligible to pitch in this series. Rue West was fantastic in relief against Musselman. And if Tanner Matthew can have a good pitching performance, I think that could be the potential to turn the tide and give Hedgesville a real good chance to maybe pull an upset, we think, and go to Charleston potentially. Well, you know, you talk about that, and of course, you know, everything's got to go the right way for everybody at this point in the year when it comes to getting down to Charleston. But you know, Jefferson, they're the old dogs in this fight. I mean, they've been there before. They know how to get there. They know how to win games. So do you think that all things considered that there's just a little too much building up against Hedgesville that they're going to have to work through to get through this series and get down to Charleston? Yeah, I think so. And it goes back to a, we should come up with a word for it. We can just call it the Jefferson effect. Yeah. Uh, like I said, that when you have a team that's so dominant in an area, maybe a team could be more talented than them. But psychologically, they're so used to being beaten down by that team that it's it's difficult to overcome. The first game of the series, as it always is in any series, especially best of three, is important. And Jefferson, and I'm going to just assume, and I hope we're not deprived of this, because this is, I think, the most exciting thing in this series that I'm looking forward to, potentially seeing Caleb Fletcher pitch against Lane DeLauder, who are probably pound for pound the two most talented pitchers in this region, if that's what the coaches decide to go with. Um, DeLauder got tuned up in the regular season when they played Jefferson. He went four innings and got knocked around a little bit, but... I also got to see him in that Musselman game. You know, he's 6'3", 6'4". He's got great stuff, misses bats, good velo, probably the hardest thrower out here for a starting pitcher. Uh, and then you got Caleb Fletcher, who's got a sub-1 ERA and is averaging well over a strikeout per inning. 
Um, the difference is just because he's a catcher, he hasn't started many games. I think he's made 14 appearances and gone four starts, but he started in the postseason. So if Hedgesville is able to jump right on it with the lotter to have a bounce back performance, which he's more than capable of doing, and get to Fletcher early, which is you know easier said than done, you're going to have to win that first game. I mean, Hedgesville is probably going to have to go into the series with the expectation that these games aren't going to be eight to seven slugfests like you saw mm-hmm. against Musselman. If you want to win this series. You've got to, I mean, there's going to be probably less than seven runs scored a game combined through every game in this series if Hedgesville wants to be competitive. Or if not, Jefferson's going to blow the doors off of them because you're not going to be able to score. Again, we talked about it three times this season that there's been four or more runs scored against the Cougars. So you can't expect that to happen twice in the best of three series. So you got to jump on them early and you've got to do everything you can to take that first game because after that, everything plays right into your hands. Then you're at home. And then after that, you've got that weird 1 p.m. start to accommodate for you, which, again, uh, credit to the athletic department at Jefferson for allowing them to do that. But uh, Hedgesville can try to use that to their advantage at Jefferson, though, at 1 o'clock. And then you've got all the emotions building up in Hedgesville players because of their graduation being Mm -hmm. that day. So it's all about a fast start for Hedgesville to try to take this one from Jefferson. Jefferson, another way of looking at it is they haven't been tested in the postseason the way that Hedgesville has. Hedgesville's played five section games to get here, and Jefferson's only played two uh, just because of the way that they were seated and the way that they have fewer teams in their section. So uh, Hedgesville's just kind of got to carry that warhorse mentality into that first game. Uh, and if it's DeLauder, hold Jefferson under three runs, three runs or less, I should say, hang on for dear life and try to take the first game. Now, the question I have is, <clears throat> do you go to DeLauder game one and try and get the win and then go from there? Or if you were to play, <clears throat> let's just say Ruest or Matthew starts game one, do you save DeLauder for game two if you need him for game two? Kind of a break of glass if you absolutely need to try and get a win and force the game three I've never, I've never really been a fan of holding guys. I yeah. get what you're saying. If they, if they want to say that, man, Caleb Fletcher is just about unbeatable. So let's mm-hmm. hang on for game two. I get right. what you're saying, but <clears throat> get I get the win when you can get the win. I think you just mm-hmm. got to throw your guy. I mean, to be fair, the guy right now is Ruest. Also in the article, you can see. Um, I have to pull it up. I think it's his last 17 innings pitched. He's only given up four runs. So technically, you're right. Hedgesville could say, well, maybe. DeLauder isn't the guy right now we're going to throw Ruest game, game one, one, even though DeLauder's been the ace for much of the season and, in my opinion, is their most talented pitcher. Um, that's a decision to be made for Coach Grove. But he's kind of got he's got a streak of the old school in him, and obviously mm-hmm. John Lowry is the old school. <laughs> so I think that it's just we got our aces, let's throw them game one and just see best on best. Yeah, I don't think there's a better um... – Way to describe Coach Lowry than the old school because he's been around. The definition. And he's been around for so long with that. But if you had to give your unbiased opinion, who do you think has the best opportunity to get out of this, uh, get out of the series and get down to Charleston? Jefferson wins in three. Uh, I think Jefferson wins game one. Hedgesville takes game two. I think game two is going to be a little bit of a slugfest. And then game three. The thing about the thing between these two teams is Jefferson's got seven guys at a drop of the hat they can throw in and, and throw and, and be very happy with their results. I, in my opinion, Hedgesville's got their big three starters. And then after that, um, you know, I don't know. And if they have to throw one of those in a game, like, you know, they need to pitch Ruestin game one to relieve the lotter so they can try to steal the win, then that completely takes the wins out of their sails for the third game of the series. So I say Jefferson in three. I'm in consensus as well. I think Jefferson takes it in three. I think that the high notes for Hedgesville are higher than what you see out of Jefferson 
but the consistency of Jefferson is what wins this series. You got guys in Hedgesville that can have those big moments, the extra base hits, the game ceiling singles. But Jefferson, we've mentioned, they run the bases well, their pitching's well, their coaching's well, they're disciplined. That's going to be tough to beat in a three-game series. I think Hedgesville's talent wins a game in the series. I think it, it does go to three. But I do think Jefferson right now is just playing on a level. They're consistent. They're on a mission right now to get back to a championship. And I think they're going to get back to Charleston in a three-game series. Well, Texas, what do you think? 304-263-4321. Who makes it out of this series between uh, Jefferson and Hedgesville? 304-263-4321 is the text line. You can always tweet us at EP Sports Network. But we got to get to our first break. We'll be back with more on Panhandle Sports Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Panhandle Sports Live, your home for sports in the Panhandle. Here's Jordan, Luke, and Parker. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live. I'm Jordan Ice Warner, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, we will be chatting with new, well, returning Martinsburg Bulldogs head football coach Dave Walker to hear about his transition from, well, high school to college and college back down to the high school ranks. And, you know, we talked about this at length when the news broke earlier this week and a little bit uh, also the week prior. And if you head over to our Twitter page at EP Sports Network, you can uh, hear our thoughts on initially of the hire. And then also if you head to our uh, website, metronews.com, there's articles everywhere. But um, I guess a quick summary, how big of a deal is this not just here at Martinsburg? We know how big of a deal it is here because that's all anybody's been talking about for the last like two months. But across the state, I mean, the most winningest or the best, however you want to call it, football high school football coach ever in the state of West Virginia is coming back after a stint where, of course, he's going to learn uh, some new things in the college ranks that he can bring down to the high school ranks. So, is this as big of a deal as the folks here at Martinsburg um, are making it out to be across the state? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that Martinsburg is going to be a state championship contender every year, regardless of who's coaching. Um, but it, it was a while it was we kind of joked and called it the worst kept secret in sports history. It was a surprise once everybody heard it for the first time. They were still kind of shocked at it. He's leaving Concord. He's coming back. Really, well, you know what? What's going to happen with Britt? What's going to happen with Martinsburg? What's going to happen with Concord? What's going to happen with Gerard Bowie and, mm -hmm. and the like? Mm -hmm. um, so it certainly did stir up a lot of people, and um, it, it's dominated the, the Panhandle news cycle and sports cycle over the last couple of weeks, and deservedly so. And that's the impact that Dave Walker has had on this state. That's the impact he's had on uh, Martinsburg's football program, and it's going to be funny when the first kickoff uh, after Week One, because they have to play uh, in Ironton. Um, he'll be coaching again at Dave Walker Field. Or is it the Dave Walker? I think the field's named after him. The it's stadium. Coburn Field. Coburn Field. Okay, so Dave, Dave Walker Stadium right, at Coburn, Coburn Field. Field. Okay. Right. But, which I'm sure is going to be a little bit strange. Um, but still, yeah, it's, 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 it's certainly a big deal. And um, we were going to most likely pick Martinsburg to win the EPAC again next year and probably right. would have said yeah. they were heavy favorites for state champion. But uh, I think this just kind of more solidifies that. Well, Parker, how do you think this affects Concord? We know it's a great thing. It's a big thing for Martinsburg to get Dave Walker back, but it's a big thing for them to be losing him at Concord because of what he did in such a short amount of time to get that program up to the national level. Well, I'm a, I'm excited to ask Coach Walker about this, about his tenure at Concord, because I I mentioned this when he was brought in back at Martinsburg. It was a weird tenure. At Concord, it really felt like it didn't get going all the way because of everything that happened with the pandemic and everything. Mm -hmm. I think he really only had one true year to fully put what he wanted to put into place. And while they were arguably a game out and 
some people would say snubbed of getting to the to the Division Two playoffs last season. They played fantastic ball. They had one of the best offenses in D2 football. And now there's question marks at Concord because their best player, Gerard Bowie, is as of right now still in the transfer portal. Their quarterback, Jack Mangle, entered the transfer portal. He is just, he's now decided to come back. And they've brought in a guy who has not been a head coach before in Brian Ferguson, the offensive coordinator over at Concord. He was elevated to head coach. So the question marks now with Concord, where do they go from here? And it's a program we talked about that has historically over the past five to six years not been very good and really Walker coming in that was their first winning season in almost a decade Mm -hmm. I think so so now the question is can what coach Walker has laid at Concord in the short period of time is that going to be sustained or is that going to take a couple steps back and we're right back to where Concord was being the doormat of the Mountain East Conference well I thought it was an interesting quote uh, in the Metro News article about Joe Procato you can find that at wvmetronews.com uh Excuse me. He said, quote, I felt like I made a real difference in Martinsburg. I don't know that I made a real difference at Concord. Now, he goes on to explain that a little bit more. Of course, it's different dealing with kids at the high school level than the college level. You're dealing with a lot of a lot of different uh, factors at that point. But what do you think? Do you think he made a difference? He had to have made a difference at Concord in those three years. I mean, look at the guys he brought in. I mean, Mangold is a great he was a great prospect, the quarterback. Then he brings him in and he blossoms into what he was. And then he's staying there, too, which is pretty cool. But do you think I I think he made an impact in Concord? What do you think as an alumni? I mean, yeah, absolutely. You could say he made an impact. Again, that was a team that was bad. People weren't wanna people were just coming out and leaving in the first quarter of every football game. He's going to say you were at the game and then leave. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember a homecoming game we had against Fairmont State. They were down by four touchdowns after the first quarter. Everyone left pretty much. And that's just not good. And football we know is the top revenue driver in college sports and very much so in division two because the funds are even more tighter than what you have at an FBS program. If you have a bad football program, it's not going to look good. It puts your AD in jeopardy. It puts your university in jeopardy. We saw it at West Virginia this past season. Shea Lyons got fired because the football program was not good for the Mountaineers. The football program at Concord needs to stay at a point where it is right now if they want to sustain success and if, well, if we don't want to run into programs getting cut at Concord, which is a real possibility if the football program's not succeeding, if it's not bringing in money. And that's it's a business at the end of the day. If you look at it, sports are fantastic. We we love this. We we talk about it every single morning. But at the end of the day, it's a business for people to make money on. And if the product is not successful, stuff has to go. Whether that's programs or people in charge, and that success needs to be sustained. And the success at Concord was brought in by Coach Walker. The morale was up. Is that going to stay? I don't know, but in this short period of time, he definitely made an impact. He definitely made a change, and the morale was high for a first time in a long time over at Concord for football. Well, we'll be talking with Coach Walker here in just a few minutes after our bottom of the hour break, but uh, we got about a minute and a half to get to that. So the sweepstakes are on for Gerard Bowie. Now, if you can, uh, if you head over to our Panhandle News Network uh, website right now, you can see that uh, baseball preview up there as well as an article from uh, Parker talking about how Shepard needs to get after Gerard Bowie. Now, you got a lot of stats in this thing. You got, you know, all kinds of different material to try and talk people into getting Gerard Bowie. But do you think Shepard is the appropriate landing place for an athlete like Gerard Bowie? We talked about this a little bit earlier this week as well. I mean, he's fast. He can make plays. He can do pretty much everything. The only thing that, I guess, is a knock against him is he's not that big. So do you think that Shepard is an appropriate place for him, or do you think he's going to get courted by you know a D1 of somewhere, and that's where he'll end up going? Well, 
The problem with Shepard is this, and I mentioned this in the article. Again, check it out over at PanhandleNewsNetwork.com. 17 selections. It was a PSAC East best for Shepard to the all-conference first or second team. Out of that group, 70% of that all-conference member team is no longer on the Rams roster, whether it be graduation, going pro, or have gone and transferred. They need some firepower in that offense, I think. The question mark is still there with quarterback. I don't think there's a true dominant receiver on the Rams right now. Mm -hmm. The one you can maybe point at and say, okay, he's had success and is a veteran on this team is Ryan Beach, but can Ryan Beach stay healthy? And well, they brought those those two receivers in from what West Virginia State and, and Fairmont, Fairmont? Yeah. and they looked like I mean very small sample size we've gotten to see them so far, but they looked like they could be some pretty intense. Athletes. They look good, but my question mark is: Are the stats fully there on these guys? And I know that uh, Barry Hill from State, I think he had around like five hundred to six hundred receiving yards last season, and then Jeremiah Taylor from Fairmont State, I believe he only had around three hundred receiving yards last year. So. Those two, I think, are still question marks. I don't know how they're going to fit. And I know how Shepard likes to kind of run the receivers and platoons, guys like Beach, Rodney Dorsey, Alfonso Foray, Daryl Harper. They run a bunch of guys. And you could say, well, the, the wide receiver room might be too crowded for a guy like Gerard Bowie. But I think you make the exception here. And I said in the article, Coach McCook and his staff have a special way to appeal to a Division One talent in Gerard Bowie. Come home. And it, it makes too much sense. The talent there... You want to build this roster to make it easy enough for whoever is going to play quarterback, whether it's Seth Morgan, Christian Etchinson, Lech Powell, Sammy Roberts, whoever's going to be playing quarterback in 2023 for the Rams. Make this roster the easiest to win with a quarterback as possible, and I can't think of a better way to do it than bringing in Gerard Bowie, a dominant number 1 wide receiver. We saw what Tyson Bajan and Marlon Cook did this past season and Cook was a fantastic. He was one of the best wide receivers in Division Two for the first half of the season before he got hurt. Bowie, I think, is more talented than Marlon Cook. And if the quarterback play maybe is a step down next season, it's going to help that quarterback develop. Yeah, the biggest things I'll say is Braxton Todd, Gerard Bowie, I've said it before, they're both in the transfer portal, both Martinsburg guys in both offensive positions that need uh, positions of need, running back and wide receiver. If you go out and get both of them, I think you put yourself in a pretty good spot and get some shiny new weapons for whoever the quarterback's going to be. Well, if you have any questions for Dave Walker, you can text us 304-263-4321. And if you head over to our Panhandle News Network or at EP Sports Network, you can see that uh, Clash of the Titans for Panhandle Baseball Regional Preview and also Parker's um, op-ed, if you will, uh, about how Gerard Bowie should be coming to Shepherdstown. I'll tell you what, it would be fun, especially going from you know the electricity of Ronnie Brown type athlete you know yeah. out there last year and then bring another one in like that with Gerard Bowie would be pretty fun. But get in touch with us, 304-263-4321. We're speaking with... New and returning Martinsburg head football coach Dave Walker after this on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Mix up your sports coverage with Panhandle Sports Live. Heard on the Panhandle News Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, broadcasting live from the Hoppy Kirchville building. Jordan Ice Warner alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. If you head over to EP Sports Network on Twitter, you can find uh, all of our articles and thoughts about the new hiring of the returning Martinsburg head football coach Dave Walker. Dave, how you doing? I'm good. Well, I appreciate you taking a little time to chat with us this morning. I know uh, you're probably got a ton of stuff going on, trying to get back up here to the Panhandle, get uh, resettled in. But again, the eight-time state champion uh, coming back to Berkeley County to coach uh, his beloved Martinsburg Bulldogs. So, talk to us a little bit about that process, about you know uh, the thought process leaving Concord and coming back up to the Panhandle. Well, I mean, I, I always knew that at some point I, I wanted to come back up here. I just, I really like the area. All of my friends are here, and uh, 
you know, I have family here, and I, I just I just missed uh, being around my people, as you say. Uh, but for, you know, for me, I, you know, I kind of got it in my mind that uh, the way things were at Concord. I mean, it's, it's good school, a lot of great people down there. But uh, as far as you know, that that lifestyle, the college lifestyle, and then just the way things are financially. Um, with cuts and uh, raising intuition and budget cuts and things, I just didn't feel like it was a um, a place that I needed to continue to stay at. Um, and then, um, you know, I, I, I talking to Coach Sherman, we all we obviously stayed in contact the last few years, and uh, we just you know got together. And I told him that I was planning on coming back in the area at some point, and then we just kind of looked at each other and said, "Hey, let's just let's just get the band back together and." Uh, you know, do what we were doing before, and it sounded like a great idea, and I warmed up to it, and he warmed up to it, and so we, we put the plan in action. Well, it's interesting you say that about, you know, stepping up to the college ranks and uh, to the D2 ranks, and you took, you know, a program there at Concord that was struggling for a while, and in a short amount of time, uh, you brought him up to the national level. But, you know, is it one of those things where it's just a little bit simpler? You can focus a little bit more on the football side of things at the high school level instead of all the other, you know, the academic and different things that you had to worry about at college? Well, I mean, there was things about the, the college um, you know, system and stuff that I like, but the thing with me, um, I miss working with uh, young people and uh, just the relationships you have and, and trying to make a difference with uh, with young people. Um, you know, college players are pretty much, once you get them as, as adults, as young adults, they're pretty much set in a lot of the things they're going to do. And they've got a plan. So I don't know how much you can, you know, how much of a difference that you can make in their lives um, other than, you know, trying to help them out financially with, with scholarships and stuff. But for me, it was just about you know getting back to to being happy and and honestly, I you know I just kind of started thinking about um, you know what you want in life and life's too short not to be happy and I'm thinking you know the D two D two is a grind. I mean, all college football is a grind and it's, and it's turned into more of a business and you know for me it was just about you know a different living a different type of lifestyle and, uh, and just being happy. Well, Coach, obviously we got a lot of questions about the return to Martinsburg, but selfishly, I, I did want to ask you a, a Concord question because, you know, with your ties to the Panhandle and uh, Parker here is a Concord alum, we, we followed your work down at the university over the last couple of seasons, and I, I've got to ask you about two specific players because it seemed as though the two that were dominating the headlines uh, during your time at Concord, of course, was Gerard Bowie, who you were more than familiar with, and, and Jack Mangold, and, and you can make the argument that you got to coach Tyson Bajit in high school, and then you coach jack in college uh, two of the best quarterbacks in the state of west virginia i'll be at one of them not being from west virginia over the last couple of seasons so coaching an absolute playmaker like gerard as long as you got to high school and college uh and then coaching jack i mean how fun was that and, and how much of a joy was it to coach the two of them in college oh it was it was uh, you know very fun jack's a great young man uh he he, he was just a pleasure to be around uh, he, he reminded me of you know, of Tyson uh, somewhat, of some of the things that he could do with the football. Um, and I really like him as a person. And, uh, of course, Gerard, I've known Gerard since he was, you know, a little kid. So uh, just watching his maturity level and, and the things he was able to do um, was just very exciting, you know, to be able to be a part of that. And, Coach, you brought up some of the difficulties you mentioned at Concord with budget cuts, tuition, things of that nature. When you got hired in the late part of 2019, I don't think anyone had any idea that a pandemic was going to start right before your first year of coaching football. How 
tough was that to get past everything with the pandemic to really get things into momentum the way you wanted to over that way? Because you only played one game in the COVID shortened season, and then really your first year, your first full year anyway, you, you had it in the same year as you had your COVID year. How difficult was everything with that to get through? It was very trying. Uh, I get there, I get hired January 6th, and then I'm there, you know, maybe a month and a half or so, really just trying to get to know the guys and, and in the middle of the recruiting stuff, and then they send everybody home. Uh, you know, they just shut everything down. And it made it very, very difficult. And then coming back in the fall, not even having a season. Yeah, I was there over a year before, uh, before I ever even coached a game. So, uh, yeah, you know, sometimes you're just kind of wondering, you know, you know what in the world's going on, and uh, you, you know maybe sometimes you kind of guess or second guess what your some of your decision making. But uh, I, the experience I went through, I, I, I'm, I'm glad I did it, and I don't regret any of it. Um, I think I'm a better coach, and uh, I, I think I've, I've learned so much. It's been it's been really an educational experience for me. But it was very trying not being able to go out and uh, and recruit, and not being able to, you know you know, have games and all the testing you had to go through. We had to be tested three times a week, and it was a lot of hoops you had to jump through, but uh, definitely a learning experience. Uh, well, Coach, lastly on Concord then, obviously, uh, kind of your thoughts of where you're leaving the program. Coach Ferguson steps up, so somebody was on your staff, and, you know, this is a team that you talk about the increase in wins and losses and the success that you had, and uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and speak for you, Coach. We think you're absolutely robbed not being able to make the yeah, postseason last year. came up here and played against Shepard. Yeah, thought. we all were. Yeah. But, uh, I, I, was, I was a little upset about it, but, you know, had no control. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but Coach, uh, I think you would agree that making the move back to Martinsburg a comfortable move for you, but you, you're you're leaving the Concord football program probably in a, a better spot than when you found it. Oh, I, I think there's no question. I mean, they they've got uh, you know a couple All Americans coming back on the offensive offensive side. Uh, I mean, and, and Coach Ferg will do he'll do a good job. And uh, they got all the pieces. They they should be just fine. Um, I, I think, and I definitely feel like that. You know, we turned it around, and um, I left it better than I found it. And that's that's always should be your goal in anything you do. We're speaking with Martinsburg, new Martinsburg head football coach, well, returning Martinsburg head football coach Dave Walker. Now, you said uh, a little bit ago that you know you and Britt Sherman, you still had a great relationship. You were communicating a lot. So you're coming back to Martinsburg. He's going to remain on your staff as uh, offensive coordinator. But while you were at Concord, I mean, he did pretty good up here, 28-5, winning the state title in uh, 2021. So what were your thoughts on how he took over the Martinsburg program and how he you know, continued to keep things rolling? I think he did a great job. Um, he's such a hard worker, and uh, you know, I, I was very pleased and happy. And I watched him. I came up and watched him play several times, and watched him in the state championship game and playoff games. But, you know, great, great, great person, great coaching staff, um, and great players. So I, I was excited for him, and uh, and I knew he would do very well. It's funny here in the Metro News article that um, Joe Bricado interviewed you on, you say, uh, I've known him since he was five years old. He was my water boy and played for me and coached with me. So it really is a, a family environment for you over there in Martinsburg. It is. And, uh, you know, I started out in Hardy County and uh, I was really good friends with his, with his family and got to know him and coached his older brothers and, uh, and, and really good friends with his dad and, and knew his mother really well. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he's family and, um, you know, and, He's just uh, he's a good person and uh, and a hard worker. It's a good combination.
Well, Coach, watching this Martinsburg team kind of from afar over the last couple of seasons, now kind of getting to be hands-on, are, are there a couple of players that you're excited to get to work with and develop to, to potentially be on the, the next Martinsburg Football State Championship team? Yeah, they, they've got some great players here. And, uh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I know a, a lot of the kids. I remember a lot of the kids. They were middle school kids and watched them play, you know, when they were younger. So I'm looking forward to getting to know and, and reintroduce uh, myself to them and, uh, and build a relationship with them and watch them grow and watch them play. So it's, it's exciting. And, Coach, I wanted to ask you this, too. From when you left Martinsburg the first go-around to now, how much do you think the talent level has increased in the EPAC conference overall? We've talked at length. There was a lot of question marks coming into this season with other teams like Musselman, like Jefferson. Spring Mills has the potential to make some strides this season. Have you gotten that deep into scouting the rest of the EPAC so far just yet? I mean, not really. I'm familiar with a lot of the kids because of the recruiting part on, on, on being on the collegiate level. So I, I've always kept an eye on, on the area and the, and the players. So uh, I, I know there's a lot of really good players in the area. And, and I think it's, it's really good for high school football. And, and, you know, all the guys, all the coaches in the area do a good job. So I think football is pretty, is pretty good here in a panhandle right now. Yeah, and we're speaking with Dave Walker, Martinsburg head football coach. One last thing uh, we'll ask you before we let you go. Now, we talked to Britt a couple of times uh, last football season, and he mentioned how you know he was trying to get Martinsburg football up into the national spotlight a little bit more, traveling around the country, maybe even going up to Canada, different places to play teams. So are you also going to try to continue that uh, trajectory for Martinsburg football, try to get him back into more of the, the main national spotlight? Well, right now my concern is just, you know, for our guys to try to work hard and get better. And as far as scheduling, sometimes it's it's hard because obviously a lot of teams don't want to play us. And I don't want to put our kids in a situation where they're where it's not a good situation for them of putting them in playing teams and and, and guys that they shouldn't be playing. Um, but we're gonna we're not afraid to play anybody. And, and I think Bridget, that's probably one one thing that he did that uh, that, that you know helped them because they played some really tough competition, but. You also got to remember your goal at the end of the year. I think it's really important. A lot of the seasons, you know, where we won championships, we were able to have home playoff games. So if you spread yourself a little thin, you end up being on the road uh, at the end of the year. That uh, that can hurt you in the long run. So our goal, obviously, at the end of the year, is to still be playing that first week in December. So uh, you know, seeing the big picture, I think you got to be very, very careful about not overscheduling yourself because you don't want to put your kids in a situation where. Uh, you know, week in and week out, they're, they're, they're really fighting for their lives to, to try to have a home playoff game. Speaking with Martinsburg head football coach Dave Walker, sir, thank you for taking a little time out of your busy last couple of days. I'm sure continuing to be in the next couple of days uh, to chat with us here on Panhandle Sports Live. I appreciate you guys having me on. Absolutely. Thanks, Coach. Take care. And that's Martinsburg head football coach Dave Walker joining us here on Panhandle Sports Live. If you missed any of that, you can listen back to it a little bit later on on our Panhandle News Network Facebook and Spotify page. But what do you guys think? I like it. I, I think you said a lot of things. It makes a lot of sense, you know, having more of an impact in a player's life between the age of 15 and 18 and coaching in college. You know, we talked about some coaches are destined to coach professionally, some in college, some in high school. It's just kind of what's in their DNA. But, I mean, you can't fault the job he did at Concord with limited resources, with limited time because of COVID to come in and still get them a game away from making the postseason. Like we said, they should have been in the playoffs yep. anyways. And, and helping Gerard Bowie become one of the most impactful players in college football last year. You know, for him to say, you know, it wasn't a perfect fit for me and still have a team that was that dominant 
it says a lot about his talent as a coach. And then coming back with a vengeance where he's comfortable in Martinsburg uh, and the talent that he's going to inherit because Britt did a fantastic job shepherding that program in, in while Walker was gone and will continue to do so as a member of his staff. Uh, I, I mean, I think they're in a in, in, in very good spot right now, and, and Walker continues to prove that he's one of the best to do it, probably the best to do it in high school and still one of the better coaches from the state. And I'm really excited to see what that little bit of coaching experience in the college levels, how it's going to affect Coach Walker coming back in the high school ranks, what some of the things that he picked up, some new things maybe that are going to be implemented at Martinsburg. I can't imagine he's going to change too much of what they had in place over there. It's It's worked, obviously, for a number of years now, but – the fact he only was there for really two seasons, I'm, I'm going to disqualify the COVID year that they had one game in, really only two years, and you were able to take a team that was a combined winning total of – they had nine wins in five years, and he was able to get 13 wins in two years. I think that speaks to the levels of how well, well he can build a program, and he's been known to do this, guys. He did it at East Hardy. He's done it at Martinsburg. He did it at Concord in a very short period of time. And now he comes back to a Bulldog program that has a lot of really fun pieces on that team and a team that's really well kept together. Like we mentioned, Coach Sherman did a really good job really keeping the team in the momentum where it was. I, I mean, now's the question, who's going to even come close to throwing a punch at him? I think that's the best question right now. It's going to be tough for anybody to even stay a puncher's chance within Martinsburg, I think, this upcoming football season. Again, if you missed our conversation with Martinsburg head football coach Dave Walker, you can listen back to that a little bit later on today on our Panhandle News Network Facebook and Spotify page. Got to get to our final break, but it's funny. I was scrolling through Twitter here, and I saw old Rick Kozlowski from the Martinsburg Journal <laughs> tweeting uh, right at the beginning of the first overtime in that game last night. Winning goal was coming in the first five minutes of this overtime. How wrong, how wrong, wrong was he? Because then it looks like he stayed up for the whole game, which... I'd be interested to see how he's doing at the uh, <laughs> at the office today. But we'll come back uh, and talk about that in a little bit more. Get Parker's picks, and you can text us 304-263-4321. We'll be back to wrap things up on Panhandle Sports Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. It's Panhandle Sports Live with Jordan, Luke, and Parker. Tweet the guys at EP Sports Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, broadcasting live from the Hoppy Kirchival Building. I'm Jordan Ice Warner, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Yeah, well, that's called beginner's luck. Luck, 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 luck. Yeah, I like to call this my lock of the day. Prove it, it's never fails. Never failed once. All right, for yesterday, we ended up going one for three. Luis Arise, man, he, I don't know when, this is one of my bonus picks for yesterday. I was so confident in him getting two plus total bases. He went 0 for four yesterday in, in the Nats loss over the Marlins. I'm looking at the score right now. Five Proving it never fails, never fails once. Yeah, fill that time. Fill <laughs> that time. Well, yesterday's lock was LeBron getting. 26 or more points. He ended up scoring 22, and it was a weird. If the uh, Lakers would have won that game, I would have given uh, Luke some flack this morning of calling it the Rui Hachimura game of all hey. things. And but I mean, he had a really. Did he go 20 plus? I can't remember if he went 20. I don't plus. think he cracked 20. I'll pull it up right here. But I think that series is over because he was he was eight of eight. 21. You're right. Yeah, he was like eight of. He made it eight of his first eight shot attempts or something like that. It was it was a really good game for Hachimura. But the pick we did get was Nikola Jokic, eight plus total assists. He ended up getting. And I believe in that game, but now into today it is game two. Celtics heat. It is prime time television here, and today's lock of the day 
The Celtics are going to win game two, take the series in a split to Miami. That is today's lock of the day, and I hope this pays out because not only would it be nice to get lock of the day for today, so that way I don't cry this weekend and the Celtics going down 2-0 and the series going to Miami. Also, Marcus Smart, I have him going over five and a half total assists. We're going back to that pick again. It was a great pick for game one. I'm going to turn to it again for game two. Marcus Smart's over five and a half total assists. And I'm going rebounds for Jason Tatum over nine and a half today. He averaged around 10 rebounds in the playoffs. He was under that mark in the first game against Miami. There And Bam Adebayo is a very hot and cold rebounder. He's the guy that either grabs 15 boards or he grabs five. There's no in-between for Bam Adebayo, and I think Jason Tatum's going to do a better job controlling the boards, and I think that's a big reason why Boston's going to win game two tonight. I got Jason Tatum going over that and getting double-digit rebounds tonight for the Celtics. So, lock of the day, the Celtics are winning. Smart gets six or more assists. Tatum, 10 or more rebounds. That is today's Parker's Picks. Let's go, Celtics. And you can text us 304-263-4321, especially now that it is commitment season. All these uh, high school athletes around the Panhandle are committing to go play athletics at the next level. So uh, if you got anybody that you know that's committed, send us a text. Let them know. Let us know where they're going. 304-263-4321. I see here Troy Woolston got an offer from his third offer from a school, but this one coming from Bethany most recently. He got uh, a couple of Hedgesville basketball players committing to Potomac State. Stephen Barclay and Cam uh, Wilkes going to Potomac State. It's an exciting time of the year, fellas, when you get to uh, sign that letter of intent in front of everybody. It absolutely is. And it's important that these are athletes that have earned the opportunity to go out and get a college education, get some money potentially, and uh, go prove that they can compete in the collegiate stage. You know, Cam Wilkes, very good shooter for that Hedgesville team. Barclay, pound for pound, is one of the most versatile defenders in the state, part of that Hedgesville team that went far. And then Troy Wollaston, you know, Bethany's an interesting offer, and it'd be fun to see him unite with – Baden Hartman, who's already committed to go there if he decides to play football or baseball. Um, but Wollaston, I think, is trending towards some offers that are probably going to be at a high level, level Excuse me, in the future as a tight end, as an edge rusher. And we never even got to see him like fully stretched out for basketball season. So mm-hmm. it's nice to see these kids getting some offers. Yeah, absolutely so. And, I mean, Potomac State's they're going out of their way in the Eastern Panhandle right now. We mentioned the uh, Hedgesville guys they've gotten. they got two guys that really led what was one of the most successful seasons in Berkeley Springs basketball history. Gavin Barkley's already on that roster, graduated Berkeley Springs last year, and they also have Tamir Ross coming into the recruiting class as well, which, man, that's that's going to be a fun little roster if you get the chance to check them out with Wilkes, Barkley, Ross, and and with – is that right? Bark- oh, there was two Barkleys. Two Barkleys, the Ross mm-hmm. and Wilkes. I got tongue-tied there for a second. I said Barkley once. I thought I got both of them. But, <laughs> yeah, that's going to be a fun roster. I'm, I'm excited to see how that shakes out and how these guys get their time and such. But that, that's going to be fun. And uh, props to Potomac State for really digging into the Eastern Panhandle and finding a lot, finding the talent out here because, again, we've mentioned it show in and show out. It It's plentiful. Well, while we got the time, Luke, can you try to uh, encapsulate that 15-hour hockey game yesterday in two minutes? Oh, my goodness. I mean, four <laughs> overtimes in that one. And shout-out to Matthew Kachuk winning it for the Panthers in overtime. So they take first game of the series against Carolina. I, that's special. I think when the Blues went to the Stanley Cup, I can't remember if it was double or triple overtime they beat Dallas. Uh, and I can say this because I don't think he's listening right now, but my dad won't admit it, that the game-winning goal was scored off a face-off. Pat Maroon just jammed it into the back of that. He was sound asleep Ah. and woke up to me (laughs) jumping out of my mom's rocking chair going, oh, and he wakes up and acts like he's been awake the whole time. He's, oh, yeah. yeah." yeah. (laughs) But playoff, I mean, it's electric. Uh, It's a shame that I'm sure a lot of kids had to go to bed because Doc Emmerich went on that rant. Or I'm sorry, Pat Foley went on that rant. A school night, a work night, again. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was certainly still entertaining in the pan. 
Panthers, I mean, they're different gravy. They've slain some giants this offseason. Yeah, that's gonna be fun. Sorry. That's gonna be a fun series, and the Stanley Cup playoffs have come as advertisers go around because it's just competitiveness. And the Panthers were one of the last teams to get into the Stanley Cup playoffs. They knock off the Bruins, who was pretty much everyone's pick to win the Stanley Cup this year. Had a fantastic regular season, and they're keeping the momentum rolling, which proves they do belong in this conversation. Can you imagine commentating that game? No. Oh, oh god. Oh, that's two and a th- or two and a third full hockey games. Right there. I mean, that's unbelievable. Well, how late did uh did that double OT game between uh the Rams women's team and uh Gannon go in the uh re- in the regional that we were oh, for basketball? a couple years ago? How long? But was still, that I mean, those are five minute periods. Already. Oh yeah, yeah, I can't remember. It, I mean, it felt ho- long, but hockey's a different hockey piece. overtime. Or yeah. Every period is the same length as the regular. Uh, like the full like twenty minutes. 20. Ooh, so man. It's, it's another hour. Golden goal. Half. Oh, it's no, it's it's it's, it's like four hours. Yeah. I have to know oh the length gosh. of that. That is a full 20. hockey game, a full hockey game of overtime, and then An, a fourth period. Oh my god! Which uh, was scored. I can't remember what minute mark. What time did it end up ending last night? Like That's two, a good three question. That is a good question. It was late. It was definitely late. But we got a text here, 304-263-4321. I know this is from, without even having to read too much of it, from our boy Chris Cole. And I'm glad he didn't uh, continue to text me after the Heat beat the Knicks uh, in the playoffs. But he says, Parker, can you feel the heat? Ooh. (laughs) Uh, 1.58 a.m. it ended. And there was, so it was... 12 seconds left in the fourth overtime. Oh, so that wow. was the so entirety was, of the fourth so overtime. So there was almost a fifth. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's nuts. Well, if you missed any show day, you can listen back to it a little bit later on on our Panhandle News Network Facebook and Spotify page. Anything else, fellas, in this last 30 seconds? Uh, shout out the Mountaineer baseball team. If they win today, they can win the Big 12. Good luck Ooh, to them. Man, K-State had a big win last night, too. Uh, I was listening. My buddy was telling me about it. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> well, brother graduates this weekend. There you go. There you go. Well, congratulations to all the seniors around, especially if you're signing to uh, – well, regardless, graduating is a big deal anyway. So congratulations to everybody. But if you're signing anywhere to play some sports, hit us up on Twitter at EP Sports Network or Texas 304-263-4321. For Parker and Luke, I'm Jordan. Panhandle Live is next. Have a good one. We will talk to you on Monday. WEPM Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs, a WVRC media station. We're proud to live here, too.